0: Atchin State University College radio station. From the George G. Beasley Media Complex and the Wayne L. Sumner Studios. 90.5 WASU FM. Boone. WASUradio.com. Download the app or just say Alexa. Play WASUFM. FM. It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the Tiger?
1: a bona fide scrub.
2: He can't play! Walker fires downfield, looking for D.J. Moore. Oh and my god! Makes a
1: diving catch for a Panthers touchdown! Be a dome. takes the right corner, three That's off. C.J. Hurley with the puck, oh. and he puts it! Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Tuesday edition of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, Attorney at Law. I'm your host, Lucas Warren, and I am joined every Thursday by David Katzemeyer, Ryan Hendricks, and actually not joined every Thursday, but Hopping in for Riley Carlson is Nick Goodman. Woo. Guys, how are we doing on this fine Thursday evening? Doing good.
0: All of our playoff baseball concluded yesterday. We had sweeps yeah. in all four wild card series. So it is full attention on Monday night football tonight. And uh for some people, I guess that's mixed attention considering the matchup, but nonetheless, it's been a great day and I'm looking forward to it.
2: Okay, it's been a it's been a really long day. Got a lot done, but I'm ready to just talk some ball with the boys, so oh, I'm yeah. glad to
3: be here. Yeah, I'm right here with Ryan. It's been a long day, been a lot of stuff going on this week, but I've got most of it wrapped up. I'm getting ready for a couple of volleyball games tomorrow and Saturday for App State, uh, and I'm just looking forward to be on the, being on this show. Yeah, you know, we here at App, at 90.5 WSU, we we subscribe
1: to the next man up mentality, so I just want to give a shout out to my guy Nick here, next man up. He, he didn't know he was going to be on the show today, but he, he popped on. He's ready to go and we're going to keep things moving uh but yeah yeah we have a great week uh David and I are going to be calling the Coastal Carolina game on Tuesday mm-hmm. uh Kurt Zotto will be on the sideline for that Ryan Hendricks will be on board oh. and uh we'll have a guest picker so keep an eye out for that on the pregame show uh he's a gr- possibly the best pregame best celebrity picker uh we we had Matthew last week, so it's going to be hard to one up that. But wow. I think he's able to. These are these are bold claims. I don't even know who it is. These are yeah. bold claims. No, no bold one claim knows. Only here. I'll say there's two people that know. I know, and somehow Chris Merritt knows because Chris knows everything. But yep, we both know. That's
2: feeling I know.
1: <laughs> I can make a guess, but you'll, you'll but just have to wait and we're see. Gonna,
2: we'll see. That'd be a spoiler. Just I have say. to wait
1: and see. But we have a great show for you as always. We're going to start off, start off talking about that App State-Coastal Carolina game, previewing that a little bit, getting our thoughts entering that game, and then we'll jump into everybody's favorite favorite segment, the Pick'Em segment, where we pick four games from college football and NFL. So that will end the show, but we'll start with a little preview of App State versus Coastal Carolina. All that is next, but first, before we get into that, let's look at all things App State Athletics in the Mountaineer Minute. Kicking us off, the women's soccer team has a pair of sunbelt Sorry, <laughs> kicking us off is the women's soccer team as a pair of Sunbelt unbeaten face off in Mobile, Alabama tonight as App State hits the road to take on South Alabama. First touch is set for 8 p.m. Eastern Time and the contest will be broadcasted on ESPN Plus. Jumping to field hockey, the Mountaineers boasted an impressive unbeaten weekend last week and hope to keep that going against the Kent State Golden Eagles. This will be played right here in Boone at today, at tomorrow at 3 p.m., and you can listen to our guys call the game on App State Athletics' Twitch page. Moving on to volleyball, after a disappointing defeat to Coastal Carolina last weekend, the Mountaineers are hoping to bounce back as they host the Georgia State Panthers. The first match is set to tip off at 6 p.m. on Friday, with the second match tipping off at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Both games will be called on WASU Sports Twitch account by Nick Goodman to the left of me. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll jump right into App State versus Coastal Carolina, so don't go anywhere.
3: Center Present series features Coco, live-to-film concert, a complete screening of the Disney Pixar film accompanied by a live orchestra, the United States Air Force Band and singing Sergeants, and Indigenous Enterprise, a Native American dance troupe. Information at 800-841-ARTS or at theshafercenter.org.
1: Hey students, Dino's Den Moving here. Your one source for packing and moving out or in at ASU. Our phone number is 336-990-9480 or you can email us. Just look for Dino's Den Moving online. Help out mom and dad. Your deposit today reserves your spot in December. We also have all the U-Haul trucks, trailers, and supplies you need for moving. $50 off your move if you mention this ad and reserve your spot by November 15th. Dino's Den Moving 336-990-9480. Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents Series welcomes the United States Air Force Concert Band and Singing Sergeants for a free concert of American music and honoring U.S. veterans. October 25th at 7 p.m. The event is free, but reservations are required. More information can be found at theshafercenter.org.
3: Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Present Series features Coco Live to Film Concert, a complete screening of the Disney Pixar film with musical score performed live by the 20 member Orquesta Folklorica Nacional de Mexico, October 19th at 7 p.m. Information at the why you calling? why you calling? Yeah, she said I need a Cause I know that you're still balling She just wanna go back to the future So I brought that colour a DeLorean 21 minutes until I gotta go So I told that girl I'm gonna slaughter
1: Welcome back to Sports Rap on 90.5 WASU And we are talking App State, Coastal Carolina It is time while most App State fans will say the Georgia Southern Eagles have been our biggest rivals, in the past couple of seasons, it feels like the most heated rivalry has been between the Mountaineers and the Chanticleers. This rivalry started in Boone three years ago when App State knocked off Coastal Carolina, a team that was undefeated at the time and ranked 14th in the nation. Last year, App State looked to go into Conway and get a big win, but got overwhelmed at times, falling 35 to 27 and effectively ending our chances at playing for a Sunbelt title. Now entering the third game of this series, both teams look a little weaker than they have when entering this game in the past. These teams already don't like each other, but both are in serious need for a big win. So do you expect this game to have the hostile atmosphere that we've seen over the last couple of years, or do you think these teams don't really look at each other as rivals and are just looking at this as any other game? I feel like...
0: It's kind of the difference between new App State and old App State. Pre-Sunbelt App State versus SoCon App State. That's where you kind of got that Georgia Southern where we've really been rivals for a long time. Everybody moved into the Sunbelt. Teams got going again. Wheels got picked up. And then all of a sudden you've got two teams in the East who are consistently competing for Sunbelt championships. That's App State and it's Coastal Carolina. And when you were two of the best... That are going at it, you're gonna play some big games and you're gonna play some heated games. And I really think that with what's happened over the past couple years with with the Smack Talk, with us knocking off them as they were the number 14 team in the nation on a storming Wednesday night, storming the field. You and I were a part of that. Oh, we yeah. ran down. I don't seven even know,
1: flights of stairs. It's more than think that, because it it's
0: it's seven floors, but it's like ten or yeah. eleven with that athletic <laughs> building. But we ran down those and we hopped the we hopped onto the field and we were celebrating. They didn't like that too much. They came back at us in 2022, and that student section was ferocious the entire game. I mean... There were there were things that were getting
1: hot miked and picked up that I don't think I would repeat off air. That's what I what I love about these two teams is that you can tell even the students from the two schools. Oh, I don't like. I the, can't stand I those like beach Costa chickens. I like I can't students. stand no. those beach chickens. And it's like I, I'm sure they feel the same way. Like oh, dumb hicks up in the mountain. But it's like yeah. I have no love for anybody Redneck who goes to
0: Conway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and and first of all, we're clearing it up. Uh, not a beach school. 45 minutes yeah. from Myrtle Beach, yep. and I Clear don't even know if up. you really yeah. want to go to Myrtle Beach. That's a dangerous spot. So
1: We probably have more bodies of water here in Boone than in We
0: Connor. probably do. I'd rather swim in Price Lake than I would drive 45 minutes to Myrtle. Yeah. But I digress. Getting back to it, this is going to be a really heated game. It does not. These two teams could be coming into this at 0-7 with no chance of winning a Sun Belt, and it would still be one of the most heated games of the year because these two schools— whether you want to believe it or not, hate each other. Yeah. They absolutely do. The fan base hates them. The students hate them. And for me personally, when I look at who our rival is, it's Coastal Carolina. Because my freshman year was the year that we upset them. We stormed the field. And I feel like if if that's kind of the pinpoint where you can start it, it makes sense why now my in my junior year, in y'all in your senior years, you know, it's been Coastal Carolina's been the big rival. Georgia Southern's really never been a team that we look at year in and year out that that's going to decide a Sun Belt. That's more so a, you know, that's a rivalry we've held from the SoCon. We kind of took a step up. They took a step back. They're looking good this year. But this is right now the true rival of App State football. And... Considering the circumstance that we have, we're going in this 1-0 in conference play, they're 0-2. They're pretty much out of a chance for the Sunbelt East. It means a lot more about this game. I mean, personally, looking at our schedule, this is the most important game of the year so far. You can look at UNC as that's a big deal. You can look at a Sunbelt opener against ULM and a thriller that you win there, that you need that first win, that's your first road win in 380 days. This is the Biggest game of the year for the Mountaineers. And it might sit atop that pedestal depending on how it goes down Tuesday night.
2: You can throw the records out the window for this one. There is still going to be a ton of fans there jeering at the, the Chanticleers. Because, as you just said a second ago, you said what I wanted to say, David. These teams could be winless. And it would still <laughs> be packed out there. Because even though, and I don't think, I think you're going a bit far, you don't you don't hate Georgia Southern at all? You, mm-hmm. don't, you don't see them as a rival? Oh, no, 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 no. It's
0: not that I don't see them as a rival. It's just... I see. This is a like this. This is more heated right now. This is more. There's history with that. This is kind of newer. This, this
2: is the now. Yeah. I, this is okay. the now.
1: Yeah. If I can explain it in like maybe NFL terms, like for the Cowboys, for example, technically their rivals are supposed to be the Giants, mm-hmm. but. Those two teams haven't really been on the same level for a lot of years. Even though they're not their rivals, the 49ers have faced them in the playoffs the past two seasons and outed them both times. If you ask Cowboys fans right now, I'm sure they have like t- more hostile feelings towards the 49ers than they do the Giants. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a similar yeah. situation.
3: I was supposed to say, to be fair, they, there is history between the Cowboys and the Niners like, oh, yeah, going, going, going way, way further down. back exactly. in the playoffs well, before... Well,
2: well, what I think just for this for this game versus Coastal, and maybe they don't and we're both not as good as we usually are. There's no way around that. Both these teams are just not having a great year so far. But they still have Grayson McCall. I still have some hate towards Grayson McCall. I mean, he beat <laughs> us last year. He beat us in 2020. And maybe it's just I think we were all jealous 2020, honestly, because that should have been us. Yeah. That should have been the Mountaineers instead of the Chanticleers getting all this media hype, mm-hmm. seeing that they were a top-10 team. And then they were ranked 13th, and we knocked them off last time they were here. So it doesn't matter what the records are. It's still going to be a very heated game.
3: Yeah, kind of piggybacking off of what Brian said. Ever since 2020, it was a year after App State went 13-1. and It felt like they were going to get the attention. They got in the rankings first. Ever since Grayson McCall came in, and it kind of felt like Coastal was taking App State's uh, attention that they really built up and deserved over a long time. That there's there's always been tension between these two programs, and it, it's going to be a hostile environment. App State, there's especially after the way the Louisiana Monroe game ended, they've still got a lot to play for. And I thought it was also kind of funny to see how. I'm sure you guys got this email, too, where they were showing the guest tickets. Like, say, hey, the guest tickets are now available yep. for the Coastal mm-hmm. game. And it felt like two hours later, it was like, they're all gone. <laughs> oh, it was like, yeah. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. yeah, they're
0: all gone. I refreshed my email. I saw it, and I was like, okay, normally it's open for a day or two. If anybody texts me and needs tickets, I'll <laughs> see if I can get them. Tickets. And then they were gone, like, with, within
3: an hour or two. Yeah. That should tell you everything you need, you need to know, at least about how the students still feel about this game. It's going to be a hostile environment on a Tuesday night. It's nice to have a night game at Kid Brewer Stadium. It's a great, great idea to bring it back at night. Yeah, Yeah. so it'll be a fun game.
1: Yeah, Tuesday night lights, as they like to call it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with you guys. I think that's kind of what I wanted to get at with this question. I don't think it matters what these teams look like going into this game, but... If you look at it they have extra motivation really to play this game you talked about a little bit Coastal Carolina is 0-2 right now in Sunbelt play and usually 0-2 is a tough hole to get out of 0-3 is a death sentence in, especially 0-3 but three losses is a death sentence in Sunbelt East if they get to that mark they're done effectively so they need to win today and then App State like you guys have said barely won last week they're 1-0 but it wasn't a clean victory if they go 1-1 and with their only win coming off a 53-yard field goal from Michael Hughes against ULM there's going to be some serious questions that I don't think App State wants to answer so I think both these teams not only are playing for pride against each other but they're really playing to save this season and really get this season on track uh Coastal Carolina is trying to get to 500 we're trying to just establish ourselves more in this sunbelt east Uh, but you guys mentioned him and looking at this coastal carolina offense they are obviously led by quarterback grayson mccall mccall has been one of the best group of five quarterbacks over his career but has struggled so far this season so what would you like our game plan to be against mccall in this chanticleer offense well, after giving up 40 points to ULM last
0: week, I don't care how it happens, but you got to rebound. And the first thing that you got to do is you have to make this offense one-dimensional. They have a good run game, and when Grayson McCall's throwing the ball well, they have a good passing game. But this team, when they've been made one-dimensional this year, they have looked silly. Grayson McCall, when he's been under pressure, has not been able to make very good throws this year. When they've been able to shut down the run game, McCall looks flustered. He looks like he's having to force throws instead of finding them to open receivers. And the separation this year isn't what we typically see out of Coastal Carolina receivers. It just I'm not saying that Coastal's taken a heavy step down, but they have taken a step back from where we expected them to be coming into this year. Finding a way to make this game one-dimensional is what I'm looking at. Whether you want to go with the UNC approach and completely lock down the secondary and dropping an extra safety back and making sure that there are no big explosive plays in the passing game, go for it. But the last thing I want to see happen is... Like ULM, where we seem to be targeting the run a little bit more, we get lit up by the pass, and all of a sudden, we can't shut down either facet of their offense because we're on our heels trying to figure out what to do. you got to come into this with a specific game plan and shut down one part of the offense. If they rip off a big run, so be it. It's going to happen. It's football. Big plays are bound to be made. But... If it's consistent, if they're consistently getting yards to the air, if they're consistently getting yards on the ground, that's a huge problem. I'd rather us have to deal with their run game than have to talk about Grayson McCall the entire night. Because although he hasn't had the greatest year, Grayson McCall, as Twitter would say, is a one throw away from an SEC quarterback. He can be a good quarterback. He is shown to be a great quarterback. Could have been a first-round pick at some point of his career. I mean, I mean if, if you want to look at it like that, he could have been. And I don't disbelieve that Grayson McCall can't do that again. Especially in an environment like this, this is a heated rivalry game. So, finding a way to shut down Grayson McCall in that entire passing game, they can rush for 250 yards on us. For all I care, as long as Grayson McCall is taken care of and we make that offense one dimensional, I think we I think we can win this game.
2: Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with you, David. I think we're selling out to stop McCall in this game. And as you said, a few throws away, I think he should have been an SEC quarterback. He was a few skipped classes away from being an SEC quarterback. So I think this is going to be a lot like the UNC approach. Of course, Grayson McCall doesn't have near the rushing ability that Drake May does. But I think I do like the point of let's get pressure on him. Like one of these guys just has to get in his face to just force him to just kind of get to his checkdowns more than taking the deep shot because he'll just beat us. He'll beat us across the middle all game with those deep deep to mid out routes right across the middle. He'll get those right there. He'll hit those, those all game. So I think, and of course, our rushing, our rushing defense has not been great this year. But at this rate, and I'm and I'm kind of sorry to say it, I don't know if that's going to be fixed yeah. at all this year. So we've kind of just got to go with where our strength is. And of course, I guess it wasn't the strength last week, the way Jaya Wright was throwing the ball on us. But I think this week, if we sell out and drop an extra man back and make Grayson McCall have to go to the short passes to get our guys to be able to get tackles before uh, ahead of the sticks, then I think we could slow down Coastal just enough to eke out a win.
3: I think it was interesting that Ryan brought up the Louisiana-Monroe game and how that probably could have easily been a game where App State went into it just thinking, okay, we've got to stop the run. Let's mm-hmm. just not focus on the pass at all. And mm-hmm. then they got burnt. Now they have not only like a full week, but they have a few extra days to look at that film and then look at what they did wrong um, in pass coverage and try to get it taken care of against Grayson McCall, who's a, a quarterback that we've seen for a long time that's been very productive through the air, even though they're struggling a little bit. New A new head coach definitely has a lot to do with that, having to transition to Tim Beck's offense. Yeah. Um, But Grayson McCall is still Grayson McCall. He still has guys like Sam Pickney on the team. Um, You've still got to do whatever you can to make sure he doesn't get going because that is the one thing you cannot ask for when you have a quarterback like Grayson McCall. If he gets hot, App State's going to be in big trouble um, on Tuesday. So that's got to be App State's primary focus on defense, just making sure that he doesn't get going. He can get going later in the year, but don't let him get going against us.
1: Yeah, I think you guys are right, and I think the big thing is you can't allow easy completions early in this game for Grayson McCall against ULM last week. And Jaya Wright, we just made it too easy for him early on in that game. Windows were really large. We were playing off our playing off ULM wide receivers, giving him easy completions, and that let him get comfortable in this game. You gave Jaya Wright confidence, and then he started to make tighter window throws as he progressed in that game. And I don't blame them when you have s- such a negative as far as rush defense, it kind of limits what you can do as a secondary because you can't be as aggressive as you want to be because you're giving up so many chunks on the rushing end that you can't risk giving up those same chunks on the receiving end. So I get why this secondary might be playing a little bit more conservative. But against Grayson McCall, he's made some mistakes this year. That's the one thing you can say. He's turned the ball over six times on six touchdowns. Get him into third and long or obvious pass situations. Pin your ears back and put pressure on him. That's what our... Our front seven hasn't been good against the rush. They've been good good getting pressure this year. Let's put pressure on McCall, force him to make some tight throws and some tight windows against our secondary.
0: Well, and that's where he's faltered. If you go back and watch any film on him this year, any time out of the pocket, whether he's moving to his left or his right, doesn't really matter if it's throwing side or not. He has struggled to put anything on target. And he's tried to make a couple cross-the-body passes, cross... These, I mean, there's like three linebackers in the way, and they just go up and grab it out of the air. I mean, yeah. it, it, it does not look good, and he's, he's, his decision-making hasn't been the greatest, and you, you said it to a T. Get pressure. Force him into those difficult scenarios to push him into tight windows and just get him uncomfortable. This crowd's going to help a lot. His crowd is going to make a oh, big yeah. impact oh, with yeah. with with making him uncomfortable. That's step one. Step two is that 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 front five they got to get to him. Yeah,
3: I will say too, getting off to an early start that's got to be a huge yeah. deal for App State. They've kind of struggled a little bit early, like early on in this year, getting off the fast starts. If they can just jump on Coastal right away, they might fold quick.
1: Yeah, I, I think the big thing too. Is like we talk about the third and de- third and long because obviously you'd like to force an offense in the third and long. I'm okay if we give up some yards on yeah. a drive. It's oh, okay if they sure. move yeah. the ball oh, yeah. if they move the ball thirty forty mm-hmm. yards. But if they if we can force them at some point into a drive into a obvious passing situation mm-hmm. where McCall has to throw against a straight drop back set and he has yeah. pressure coming at him. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that can end drives, push them out of field goal range, or create turnovers. So. I think it's okay if we play a little bit more aggressive, allow a little bit more yards to the air, as long as we kind of don't – we play a bend-don't-break kind of style, as long as we don't give up too many touchdowns and let them finish those big drives.
0: And I would recommend that anybody who wants a better preview for what you're looking for against this Coastal Carolina team, go back and watch the highlights for when they played Georgia State and, to an extent, Georgia Southern. Specifically that Georgia State game, though, when they got pressured and when they were down and they were beaten and they were getting into these frustrating scenarios – They were frustrated. I mean, I haven't seen a Coastal Carolina team in a very, very long time look as upset and just confused as they did. And it was to the point where, I mean, receivers were coming over. They were having words with Grayson McCall. The defense got multiple personal fouls because they got so frustrated that Georgia State was able to continuously convert on third down. And this team's just undisciplined. They have been all year long. And if we can find a way we don't even have to be winning the game, but if we can find a way to make them frustrated, that gives us
2: a huge advantage. Yeah, I think and I think all this frustration and them just starting to give a lot earlier just has to be with Chadwell leaving. I think Jamie Chadwell would have oh, yeah. would have really calmed his guys down. And now with Tim Beck, we're just seeing a whole different yep. coastal team. This is not the coastal team we remember from a few years ago where they were world beaters, ranked in the top ten. Yeah, Tim Beck just losing
3: Chadwell really hurts for mm-hmm. Coastal, and I think we're going to be able to jump on top of them this week. Yeah, I know Tim Beck's first first head coaching job, period, at the college level, um, and that's that's probably why they're so frustrated, just having to transition between offenses and stuff like that. And just adding on to that Georgia State game, I mean, I I, I can remember like they they showed a lot of undis- d- undisciplined plays mm. during that game. I mean, they had one time late in the game, the guy was running out of bounds, would have stopped the clock, potentially give him, giving them a chance to try to come back, and they, the Coastal defender literally just ran out of bounds and just shoved him like five I mean, yards out of bounds. He was, no
0: reason. he was yeah. like two or three steps out already at that point. He was yeah. past the white. Yeah.
1: Like, that's just, that's not what we're over, used to seeing.
2: Over-aggressive. Yeah.
1: And I, I think it's interesting what you're saying with the frustration with the offense, because you talked about the turnovers. A lot of the turnovers from McCall this year has him, been him trying to do too much because yep. he's a talented guy he knows that but you talked about it he tries to make these across the body like Josh Allen-esque throws mm-hmm. that sometimes it doesn't go the way he wants it to and I think like you said Nick if we can get on them early and force McCall to be in that mindset where he feels like he has to win Coastal this game that's when we can get some interceptions from him so mm-hmm. I-, I think that's a big thing let's put pressure on Coastal on McCall, don't just let them because against if we play a similar secondary as we did against ULM and just let Grayson McCall com- complete like eight of his first ten passes and he's just comfortable at the end of the first half, we're going to be in trouble because he's going to get more, he's going to settle into the game and then late in that game when we need stops, we're going to have a quarterback that's confident throwing the ball and we don't want that. But now looking at our offense while putting up points hasn't been a struggle for this offense taking care of the taking care of the ball has been the mountaineers have lost the turnover battle 6 to 3 over the last 2 games with Joey Aguilar turning the ball over 7 times in the last 4 games unfortunately this coastal carolina defense has been very opportunistic this season with 6 interceptions and 3 fumble recoveries Looking at these numbers, are you concerned with app state's ability to take care of the football in this game?
0: I am, but that concern will go down if we only put Joey Aguilar in smart throwing scenarios and we stick to the run game. I want to go back and I want to look at the stats from twenty twenty one against this coastal Carolina team when they were ranked fourteenth in the nation, and we we wanted a walk off field goal thirty to twenty seven We passed the ball twenty eight times Chase Bryce went eighteen for twenty eight three hundred and forty seven yards two touchdowns, and no interceptions. We rushed the ball over 40 times. And it was a good split between Nate Noel, Camp Peoples, Datrick Harrington, Chase Bryce had a couple scrambles in there. But the thing I look at that is, Chase Bryce was extremely effective because they put him in good throwing scenarios. They put him in situations that he can succeed in. When we When we watched that ULM game, and even Wyoming to an extent, it just felt half the time like, why are we throwing here? Why aren't we running? Why aren't we giving it to Nate Noel or Kanye Roberts who just ripped off a 10-yard run? Why are we throwing two screen plays? Why are we trying to run a triple option? Keep it simple. we got to keep it simple in this game. And I love this split that I'm looking at here. 28 passes to 41 rushes? Give me something like that in this game. Because I can guarantee you, if you keep feeding Kanye Roberts, if you keep feeding Nate Noel, Amani Marshall is back. Those three? I mean, he might not even need to throw the ball for us to, to win a game. Yeah. I still... Don't think you take throwing out of it completely because you can't. But if we go back and we read the stat line and he has thirty-seven plus throws. Yeah, that's not that's that's not sustainable. That's That's not a recipe for winning. Look, I've I've enjoyed what I've enjoyed what Joey Aguilar is. But we can't sit here and lie to ourselves. And this coaching staff can't sit there and lie to themselves and think they got to chase Bryce because they don't. Because Joey Aguilar going into this year was backup quarterback. And Joey Aguilar, he's coming from community college. And that's not to discredit Joey whatsoever. But the situations we're putting Joey Aguilar in are as if he was a high-caliber, high-quality, past Power 5 quarterback like Chase Bryce. And he's not. We're putting more on him than I feel like we'd put on Chase Bryce. We are. Last oh, and, and, that's, yeah. and that's what's wild to me yeah. is that it almost feels like we're putting this whole team on Joey's shoulders Put it on Nate Noel's shoulders. Put it on Amani Marshall's shoulders. Put it on this run game. Put it on that offensive line to create holes and to be able to make plays for these running backs because when I think of App State football and I think of this game, I think of those gritty runs at night. I think of that crowd becoming electric while watching Nate Noel or Camp People streak down that sideline after breaking into a hole into the secondary. That's what I want to see. I want to see Joey throw it. Right? I don't want to see him just sit back there, but I want to see him make smart decisions. I want to see the coaching staff put him in good decision making opportunities.
2: Yeah, I, I really am concerned about how we're going to be able to protect the ball this week. And I think, it, in theory, it's good if we're able to run the ball a lot, but I just know Coastal is going to force us to throw it at multiple points during this game. And I do know practice isn't the whole story, but all of that practice Wednesday. And on the first throw of team drill, we were, we were at the one versus the ones. Joey threw a pick, and it was a deep shot, and he threw it just over through his receiver by a ton right to the safety. It looked like he wasn't even throwing it to his man. He looked like he threw it straight to the defense. And that's just what we've seen every week with Joey. He always has that little extra, little mental lag before he makes his throws. He takes that extra second, and at the college speed, they're going to jump all over that. And as you said, Lucas, Coastal can jump all over the ball all the time. They're, they're very opportunistic with their interceptions. So I think Joey... It's gonna. To to, it's gonna be. a. It's a struggle this week. And if you're expecting to see Ryan Berger, Berger was not practicing with the ones this week. He was still running around with the phone ball, as David said last week. If you were listening, he was still just running around by himself. So he's not going to come in. But. I really need to see Joey. Just don't force it deep. You don't need to force it deep. I understand. I mean, I was excited as anybody else when he got those deep shots versus Gardner-Webb or ECU. But we, at this point, every defense knows it's coming, so you're not going to be able to get it to him. Just get your short throws, just a little bit to the sticks, throw it right around the sticks, and you should be fine. And, of course, lean on that run game if you're able to. I just know Coastal's going to force us into passing situations a lot.
3: Yeah, this isn't just a concern for App State. I feel like this is the top concern for, the, for App State heading into this matchup. Even just beyond the last two games against Louisiana Monroe, Joey's three turnovers were mm-hmm. a huge deal in that game. Against Wyoming, the lateral on the triple option play that directly led to a Wyoming touchdown, and the pick at the very end of the game, those were game changers. Even against ECU, App State won by two scores, but there were two defensive touchdowns from ECU that made that game a lot closer than it really should have been. That's The one thing I'm looking at for the Mountaineers that can keep Coastal in the game and possibly lead them to winning this game is if they get in their own way, they turn the ball over, they set Coastal up in good situations. They don't set up Grayson McCall in situations where he feels like he has to do too much to try to come back. Um, That's the main thing I'm looking at. And the top thing I'm thinking for App State, just play smart. You don't have to always just go for the deep shot, uh, especially if it's not there. You have Nate Noel. He's got nine days off it's not like he's you know you have to worry about him having too much on his load like he's fully healthy just feed him yeah. feed him the ball and then just make sure you get joey in good situations and just give him easy completions and just don't make sure you're not asking too much out of him don't ask him to be like an above power five level quarterback he doesn't need to be that for this team to win
1: yeah i mean i i agree with all of what you guys are saying i i brought up the turnover point on Tuesday's episode, and it's what's been killing this App State offense that's been moving the ball all over the field. Uh, I think you guys make great points, leaning on the rush. We've been a great rushing attack. I think we can do that. I think your point, David, was great. I think We can look at like maybe 30 attempts as the threshold, where he should probably be under 30. If he's going over 30, I think we might have made a mistake. If he's Mm -hmm. getting close to the 40s, I think that's very clear. We are not playing the kind of game we wanted to, not the script we maybe planned for. But the main thing I look at with Joey is it's just making him play more within the offense. Right now, he just—this is going to sound crazy, and I have this written down, and I know this— It's probably going to make me sound like a casual, but I just see a lot of the same problems that Josh Allen has in Joey Aguilar, where with Josh Allen, it was always making him play down. It wasn't a problem of talent. He can make any throw, and he's the kind of guy that almost believes in himself to a fault that he can make every throw, and that caused him, And when we see that Jets game, to throw two wildly just terrible interceptions. And I think Joey's a similar way, where he just starts to – Just think that he can make all these throws and think he has to make all these throws. And sometimes he shouldn't. Sometimes you just play within the offense and take the check down. And I think a good way to describe it, I've heard this term
0: thrown a lot around this week, is it's almost like sandlot football to where... It's like give the Joey the ball and then make him figure it out from there. Yeah, get it from there. Like we've run design plays. We'll, we'll run a tunnel screen or bubble screen or whatever. And every once in a while, we'll we'll run specific concepts where there is a specific receiver. But sometimes it just feels like they're out there running routes and that's about it. They're out there running routes. Joey is running around trying to figure something out. And I agree with you. Like f- just helping him out as much as they can. Joey Aguilar is not a guy who can run purely all-for-all talent, but if you fit him in a system that's going to work well, I mean, we've seen it work, and I think they got to go back to something like that.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say that you could ar- arguably say that his biggest strength and his biggest weakness is just how confident he is in himself yeah. and how he's always just going to go out there and just rip it. Like He's not going to ever play scared, but as we have mentioned before, that's kind of led to the turnover issues that this Mountaineer team has had. There's only so much I feel like we could really get that out of them, though, without yeah. hampering him as a player, because you still want some of that. You want some of that gunslinging mentality in there. Yeah. You know, what, what's really interesting to me is,
2: Joey just has not responded to defenses figuring him out. So far, he has not. For, through the first two weeks, he looked like he was the guy for us. He was making pretty much any throw he wanted, but it started with ECU, where we had that, that really bad pick six, just right on his own goal line. And right then, defenses have started to figure Joey out week in and week Week in and week out, and I think he just has yet to respond. He really has yet to respond and really put together a great game where he has not turned the ball over.
1: I think the big thing with Joey, and I don't, I agree that I think, you know, the first two weeks he came out there, and I think what you were saying, the confidence teams were surprised, like, wow, this guy is absurd. He'll throw it into these windows. Like, I remember specifically against Gardner Webb, he made one throw, it was a wheel route to a tight end on the left Mm sideline, didn't get completed. He made a ridiculous throw. The window was tiny and it could have been caught. And that's just kind of throw I'm sure a defensive coordinator is like, this guy's a backup, right? Like I, I wouldn't expect him to make this throw. But he makes them. And I, I think the big thing is this is his fourth start or this is going to be his fifth start uh, at this level. He's going to go through some growing pains. You know, he looked great. And then teams started figuring him out. Now it's on the offensive coordinator to set your quarterback up for success. Let him lean on the run game, and this is a simple thing you can do with quarterbacks. Make it so when he's throwing, you know what he's going to see. It's not just drop back and make him make a play. Make it be a lot of play actions where you have one read that then comes off into another read, and then that peels off into another. Like Simplify the game for him so he can't make those mistakes. Just
3: to add on to that, too, not only is this like his... I think f- fifth game that he's played yeah. at the college, at the D1 level. This will be his fifth, yeah. Um, but this is, the, after the first two games, like before then, they didn't have any film on how, what he would look like in this App State offense, what he'd look like playing D1 football. After those first two games, everybody had film and saw mm-hmm. his tendencies on, okay, he likes to make these throws down the field. He likes to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And I think some of the reason why he's starting to struggle a little bit is just the fact that people didn't really know what to expect just out of him, and now they know exactly what like his top things are going to be. So hopefully he'll find a way to adjust. He has the confidence to be able to shake off mistakes like that. Hopefully he'll he'll learn. Yeah, and it, I, I said it last time, but
1: yeah, I think in this situation, the, I think this does fall into coaching staff. I think you do have to set your quarterback up who struggled last week. You need to give him a get-right game. But jumping into our last question of the segment, then we'll jump into pick 'em. So real quick, how— So looking at this, obviously we'd love App State to win this game 40-0, to but what kind of win does App State need to have to silence the doubt that's been creeping up these past couple weeks? Anything convincing.
0: Anything at all. If I can walk out of Kid Brewer Tuesday night and feel satisfied, happy, synonyms comparing to that, then it will be a good win. Coastal Carolina is down. They are not the team they have been the last couple years, but that doesn't matter to them, and that shouldn't matter to us because this is a rivalry game. This is a heated contest that is going to be at night. If we can find a way to show up and play convincingly and start to fix some of these issues, we don't have to fix everything, but if we can start to put the pieces together a little bit, I want to see an offense that doesn't look discombobulated at times. I want to see a defense that doesn't look like they're going to get dismantled after a big play. I want to see just radiating confidence. And if they can do that, and if we can walk out of Kid Brewer and we could say, okay, I feel, I feel good, because we can't feel good after ULM. You can't feel good after Wyoming. You can feel good after Garden webb and UNC. I want to feel good walking out of that stadium. Whatever they have to do to get a win and convince me that this team is improving, that's all I
2: need. For me, I think it has to be double digits to really silence a lot of doubts going around the community right now. I think we're going to have to win this one by multiple scores because I think if we eke out another win like we did versus ULM, people are still going to be calling for – Sean Clark said they're still going to be calling all this. And it's not that Coastal can't be beat by multiple digits. Georgia State did it. Georgia Southern did it, I believe. So everybody – it can clearly put up a lot of points on Coastal. So we're going to have to put up, I think, maybe two touchdowns or maybe just right at 10 points. Just get a sizable
3: win, and I think that would really have to silence them because if you don't do that, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with Ryan here. I feel like two scores is probably the minimum to feel really good about this game. Uh, I'm not going to – it can't be anything more than that because it's still a rivalry game. We know Coastal is going to come out to play that, you know, they're going to want to try to right the ship while they still can early in the year. Um, but I feel like, I mean, if Georgia State and Georgia Southern can do it to Coastal, Ab should be able to beat them by two mm. scores at home, at night, in front of a packed house. They should be able to do it.
1: Yeah. I, I'm personally not as concerned with the score. My biggest thing is I like to see a game script brought into this game and executed throughout the game. Throughout this season, only one game we've had a game script, had what we wanted to do, and executed it throughout the entire game, and that was UNC. The game came up short, but we held Drake May to a – 200-yard performance, no touchdowns, no interceptions. We got killed in the run game, but we came in obviously saying, hey, we want to limit Drake May, get it to the fourth quarter, give us an opportunity, and we did that. You can't be mad at that performance. Every other game outside of that has not been the game script that we walked into the game, I'm assuming. Against ECU, you have two turnovers that wildly make that game way closer than it should have been. Obviously, you get the win, but not the way you want to win that game. And then Wyoming and ULM, obviously, not the kind of games you want to play. I don't care if it's 37-35. Thirty-seven, thirty-five. I want App State, to. if we're going to come in and run the ball and we're going to establish that and then on the other end force McCall to make some tough throws, if that's what we do the entire game and we are able to sustain that throughout the game, then I think that's a successful game for me. I just want to see this coaching staff get these players to execute the game plan that they come up with preparing for this Coastal Carolina team because I feel like these last couple weeks At some point in this game, we've had to throw the script out the window and just say, Joey, go make a play or it out. Yeah, and defense, please get a stop. So Mm -hmm. that'll do it for our App State First Coastal Preview. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we will jump into pick 'em. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of wasufn App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram. And- Appalachian State University's The Schaefer Center Presents Series welcomes the United States Air Force Concert Band and Singing Sergeants for a free concert of American music and honoring U.S. veterans. October 25th at 7 p.m., the event is free, but reservations are required. More information can be found at theschaefercenter.org.
2: This is Marcus Clark, number 91, defensive line, and this is 90.5 WASU. Welcome back to Sports
1: Wrap on 90.5 WASU. As you just heard from App State player Marcus Clark, courtesy of Ryan Hendricks. Thanks for getting that. Shout out, Ryan. Of course, Ryan.
2: Uh, He was a a real nice guy. Good to talk to.
1: Uh, We are on to our college slash NFL pick'em pool Usually it's me, David, Ryan, and Riley, but Riley's got some work. Riley's a busy man, so Nick and his good grace will take it, take Riley's place. Uh-oh. His picks will count towards Riley's score, so Nick, best of luck to you. Uh, you're, you're, Riley didn't set you up great. He had a 5-3 and three week last week, fell to, not by a lot, but 4th out of 4. He's 28-14 and 14 now on the season. All 3 of us had a good week. 7 and 1 for the boys. I went 29 and thirty or er, 7 and 1. Now I'm 29 and 13. Ryan's in second with 7 and 1, 30 and 12. And David, you're in first place. 7 and 1 last week, 32 and 10 overall. Man is cooking right now. Mr.
2: We Trump got
0: Day.
1: 8 more.
0: You can't things. even say that anymore,
1: man. Oh, you he heard can't it. Can't
0: even say it anymore. Sure, I can. <laughs> I want to. I want to go back and I want to look and see what the lines were dependent
3: on my yeah, picks. No. I'm just out here like, okay, Riley's just going to bail and rely on me to try to get him yeah, back in you, the game. Absolutely, yeah. you, David. David, I think this you lost get a back point week. going yes, with Nick,
2: um, You lost a point going with Florida. Which was you're right. Strong. I did, and that's that. the only game that I missed you because stop being Mr. Talk. No,
1: I put
0: I put wrong faith. I put wrong faith in Graham Mertz. People, well, people learned that lesson. People convinced me that Graham Mertz was a good quarterback, and I, for some reason stupidly believed them,
1: and I was proven wrong, and you know what? I'll wear that one, because that was an awful pick. Hey, the coin got me on that one, but we're going to jump right in. We have about 16 minutes to get to eight games. First up, biggest game of the weekend, Red River Showdown. It happens every year. Texas State Fair, but these two teams are good this year. Oklahoma versus Texas. Who do you got? I have backed the
0: Longhorns and talked them up too much, To switch sides. This defense for Texas is elite. The offense has been amazing. But Oklahoma has also almost been flawless this year as well. This is going to be... Is it the Red River Rivalry or the Showdown? Do they change it? They change it every
2: year by, by the sound of it.
1: I always say Showdown. I mean, I've heard Rivalry for sure. I think but. I think the Triple R's is is rolls
0: yeah, off the yeah. tongue. Like, the Red like River go.
1: Red. Okay, it's
2: tongue. I don't thrusting. know if Never, it does everyone, roll. It
0: doesn't Opposite. Contradictory to my statement, the Red River Rivalry. In terms of these two teams with college football playoff hopes, in terms of winning the Big Twelve, this is the biggest game we've seen in a long time. But I'm backing the boys from Texas because they're on a mission. I said it last week they went into that game against Kansas and they put up uh, they put up 658 offensive yards they set some kind of Big 12 record or I forget what it was but the offense went in that game and and they basically just said all right we're just going to we're going to go ahead and prove anybody wrong that this offense can't do anything they went in they killed a good Kansas team i think it's going to be a really close game Oklahoma has looked really good so far this year, but I can't I can't switch sides from Texas. I can't do it.
2: You know, OU is a lot improved from last year. They're actually a legit team once again. They're good. They're not Texas good. This Texas team's legit this year. They're, they're the very real shot. And I think I can, I'm, I'm pretty much with David here on this one. I'm not going to switch up on them now when I've been saying the past couple weeks they're going to the playoff. I'm not just going to switch up just because OU's coming into town. And OU, have they really played anybody this year. What was their best win? SMU? Maybe or, Cincinnati. Or Latin, yeah. maybe. or maybe and Even, even was, the Cincinnati game was kind of a dogfight. Yeah, even uh, then. I don't... Cincinnati's not I've good. not been too <laughs> impressed with Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's still probably going to make the Big 12 title game. Still be right there with Texas. But Texas went in to Alabama and beat the Crimson Tide. That is by far... Yeah, we'll that we'll is by them. far the best win of anybody this year, except for maybe Ohio State over Notre Dame. So I think Texas being right there,
3: I've got to back them this week, give me the Longhorns. Yeah, this is going to be a really good football game. It's going to be weird. We're talking about them being Big Twelve teams. I think next year they're going yeah, to the, join the yep. SEC. Join the SEC in this the last
1: Big Twelve showdown between. Yeah, yeah, which is it's, it's kind of it's
3: really weird to think about. Uh, but yeah, both teams look really good heading into this matchup. But I've I've got to agree with everyone here. I just feel like Texas, they look different this year. And I mean, Texas has fooled us in the past. I think this this year's different though. I think. Uh, Quinn Ewers is leading this offense really well for the Longhorns. I think their defense is great. I mean, Alabama, even though they've kind of had a bit of a struggle, they've looked really good the last couple weeks, which makes that win going into the Crimson Tide look really good heading into this matchup. I just feel like Texas has too much firepower. I'm going to pick them in this matchup.
0: And I also want to say the offensive line I don't think got mentioned. Bijan Robinson is Texas, isn't
3: I, wait I, first
1: oh, okay, line okay? okay. Uh-oh, uh-oh. no, Bijan! But this line is still averaging six that's yards what I per was carry. Say. That's, that's what I was going to say. Ridiculous! <laughs> no, this team is as complete as they come. Like you said, Quentin Ewers has been dicing up defenses, but they're still running the ball insanely well. Uh, Bro- what, Brooks, that's the, the sophomore Brooks. running back. Yeah, uh, Brooks. He had 160 yards last week, uh, but. I, I do think this OU team will keep it close. Dillian Gabriel will make some plays on the offensive end. The OU defense, they're number 1 in scoring defense in Big 12. They're number 1 scoring offense in Big 12. And number 1 in turnover margin in Big mm-hmm. 12. But like you said, Ryan, I don't think they've really played anyone yet. I just think OU lacks that top-tier talent. I think they'll be able to stay in the game. But I just think Texas and their loaded roster will just pull away at some point. So I'm taking the Longhorns in this one, and that's a clean sweep for the crew. So Texas is the pick for the first game. But now, jumping into the second game, a very interesting one, in my opinion. 23rd-ranked LSU coming off a shootout loss to Ole Miss last week is going on the road to take on the surprisingly undefeated and ranked Missouri Tigers. Who do you got in this one?
0: You say surprisingly as if they haven't been looking like one of the best SEC teams out there, Lucas. When I look at this matchup and I look at LSU versus Missouri – my brain kind of like jumps back a couple years where, you know, LSU's dominant Missouri is kind of the laughing stock of the SEC. But so far this year, LSU's defense, after being a preseason favorite to go to the college football yeah, playoff or terrible. be in that top five and win the SEC, they rank 117th in yards per game allowed, 104th against the rush, and 110th against the pass. You put that up against a team who is the 15th best passing game in the nation, a quarterback in Brady Cook that has thrown 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, which, by the way, is a new SEC record for the most passes without an interception, and wide receiver, Luther Burden, who has been a phenom, five touchdown grabs, and he's posting 15 yards per reception? I mean, you can't look at it one-sided, but that's a little scary if you're an LSU fan. Albeit, Jaden Daniels, Jaden or Jalen? Jaden. Jaden. Got it yeah, right first Jayden. time. Jaden Daniels has been playing well. This LSU offense is still top 15 in the nation. Missouri's defense is going to struggle to contain them. We could see a shootout on our hands, but I like this matchup for Missouri's offense against LSU's defense so much more than I like LSU
2: taking on Missouri's defense. So give me Missouri at home. You know, Dave, that's a lot of good points you made. But, but you're wrong. Because LSU is going to come back and take the dub this week. Brian Kelly's not going to be the type of coach to just lose two in a row, especially on the road, back-to-back here. And I think we're starting to discount Ole Miss a little bit. Ole Miss is still a good team. I'm not going to chalk this up as a bad loss for LSU yet. And then at the start of the year, people were overhating LSU again when they lost to Florida State, a top-five team. This LSU team is still very legit, and it's not... Missouri's offense I'm worried about. You told me how good Brady, Brady Cook is. But they were giving up 27 to Kansas State, 27 to Memphis, and they gave up three scores to Vanderbilt last week. And Mizzou gets off to slow starts. They started off slow versus Vanderbilt last week. I think if they do that again this week, LSU is going to pull away from them and just keep keep ahead in this game. So give me LSU.
3: Yeah, I'm, I've got to agree with Ryan on this one. I just I feel like um, even though – LSU had a tough loss against Ole Miss. Crazy football game, by the way. Ole Miss getting yeah. 700 yards. I think 637. 637 for <laughs> LSU. Like, it was yeah. a ridiculous shootout. But I just feel like, again, LSU's played against an Ole Miss. They played against a Florida State. I mean, Missouri has beaten Kansas State, and they are a good football team, but they haven't really played that top level of competition I feel like that LSU has, and they're still returning a bunch of players from a team that made it to the SEC Championship last year after they had a couple of struggle games earlier in the year. Uh, I just feel like LSU is going to rebound after that old Miss game, and they're going to give Missouri a little bit of a reality check right here. Yeah, I think you're
1: right, David, in the sense of this game looks to be a shootout I think it is going to be a shootout. We have two offenses that have been playing fantastic in the early season and an LSU defense that has not been playing fantastic. Uh, But the big thing I look at is just – this LSU firepower is just more than Missouri at this point. Missouri has yet to put up 40 points in a game even though they have such a great offense statistically. LSU has done that three times this season. Like you said, Jaden McDaniels has led led this offense to 637 yards and 49 points in a loss last week. I think there's no way LSU doesn't bounce back after a tough loss to Ole Miss last week. I think they're the better team. I think they're still a good team. I think they'll stay ranked this year i think they get the win this week against a missouri team and get to what it'll be they'll be three and three and two now Mm -hmm. yeah three and two but i I think this is a big get right game for the tigers on the road against missouri now jumping to alabama texas a&m in college station who you got This is
0: two of the best defenses in the nation versus two of the most mediocre offenses in the nation. Jalen Milrow will have to have himself a game in College Station if Bama wants to win. But I think they're able to pull it out, and I think they do it. This is one of the best defense statistically and, honestly, if you watch it via the eye test that, that Saban has had, in the Nick Saban era of Alabama football. And while Milroe will have a long game overcoming Alabama's front five, I like him more than I like an offense led by Connor Wagman and Max Johnson, which I think is going to have an even tougher time against this defense. If Even if you put Alabama's offense and Texas A&M's offense right on that same pedestal, I think the defense beats them out for Alabama. So I think Alabama comes in and they sneak away
2: with a win. You know, this Alabama team, we were we were really thinking they were done at the start of the year. They lost to Texas, but they really rebounded these past two weeks with two very solid victories, but they're going into Kyle Field. That's a very, very tough place to play. App State did it. Well, <laughs> App State did it with nobody in the stands because they didn't think we were going to beat them. This was going to be sold out because Alabama's in town. I'm still not fully sold that Jalen Milro is going to be able to lead them to a very good season, and I think this is going to be a very, very low scoring game, but I think it's going to be a huge upset. Texas A&M is going to knock off the Crimson Tide. Oh. D- dang, Ryan, out here
3: saying that ninety thousand is nobody in, in the stadium.
0: You know, yeah. you know the reason it didn't look like anyone was there because they all left.
3: Well, that too. That ninety thousand still a lot of people, Ryan. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on Texas A&M. Earlier this year, Miami just took them to the woodshed and <laughs> just great... b- beat up on them. And I just Alabama's defense. Even though their offense, I still feel like still going through some go- some growing pains they're still struggling a little bit their defense is just too good right now so i i'm going to pick them
1: i got to ask nick what, what do you do to someone when you take them to the woodshed what's the <laughs> it's a good beaten with a stick of wood is it yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to take yeah. a trip to the woodshed you don't know, <laughs> you don't
0: you don't want to know what goes on out in the woodshed <laughs> no, yeah. no nothing That's good, good, nothing good <laughs> happens in the
1: woodshed well i think alabama's going to put the aggies in a woodshed uh, i i think this alabama defense since eight, being dismantled by Quentin Ewers. They've had two great performances. They had Ole Miss to 10 points after they just scored 56 against LSU. And then they held a pretty good Mississippi State team to under 270 total yards of offense. And then quietly, Jalen Milrow since being benched against UFC in the la- USF. I don't know why. Yeah, USF. Uh, but over the last two games, Jalen Leroux is hitting on almost 80% of his passes. He's been more accurate. I think he's still a playmaker for this offense. And I just don't think AM has faced a team to Bama's caliber yet. So I'm taking Alabama on the road to beat the Aggies. But then final college football game, Kentucky on the road to Georgia. After they got their big win against Florida, do they do it again?
0: Carson Beck for Georgia didn't look the greatest on the road for the first time in his career against Auburn. They snuck out a win, 27-20, to which you could even say Auburn really gave that game away rather yeah. than Georgia coming back and winning it. If this game is at Kentucky, this feels like a no-brainer, give me the upset. But the fact that this is at home, that this is being played at Georgia in Athens, it's so hard to pick Kentucky here. They've looked really good. They had a great game against Florida, at least score-wise, from the deficit there. But I don't see anybody but Georgia
2: winning this game. Yeah, I don't love this Georgia team this year, but Kentucky going on the road to Georgia. It's going to be a very, very tough one for them, and I don't think they're able to pull it out. And I can't pick against both of the powerhouses. I'm already betting on Bama to lose. There's no way Georgia and Bama lose in the same week. I'd be okay with it. So, I mean, I would too. I just don't think it'll happen. So, And even when they're in tough games... I thought the big chance for him to lose was last week in a hostile environment, but then they just threw it to Brock Bowers every play, and it was all right. The so <laughs> yes. Georgia team isn't wonderful, but yeah. they'll beat Kentucky. The, yeah. best, uh, the best non-quarterback college football
3: player in the nation. Mm. Yeah, I can't come on the show for Riley and just go chalk the whole way, so I'm going to be a bit of a contrarian. I don't know if he would pick Kentucky in this it's situation. Seems like a game he would. Uh, he does but not like <laughs> Oh, as shoot, I said never that, mind, you're that right. That's the one thing that he, I know he doesn't like. But I'm not going to say it's because of Leary. I'm going to say it's because of Ray Davis, who had an amazing game last week. It's going to be because of that blue wall on Kentucky's offensive line. It's going to be because of their defense. I'm going to say Kentucky pulls off the upset here. I say they go into Georgia and shock the nation.
1: Nick's got me ready to run through a wall. Yeah, the well, blue wall. Nick isn't alone, because I also think Kentucky Whoa. is a serious competitor. Kentucky is finally being taken seriously. They demolished Florida, but Georgia allowed 207 rushing yards. Everybody talks about how, oh, what's going on with Carson Beck? What's going on with this offense? What's going on with the defense? The defense doesn't look like this insanely dominant unit that it's been the past couple years. While I don't think Devin Leary has been great this year, I think I trust him more than Carson Beck to make some plays in specific (laughs) spots. mid. And, I mean, at least Devin Leary has been non-mid in previous years, but I, I do think Leary is still able. I just don't think Leary had to do anything against Florida. I think if you put the ball in Leary's hands when he needs so, I think he can still make some plays. Mm-hmm. And I think this rushing attack for Kentucky is going to run all over uh, Georgia. It's going to be a hostile environment, but I think Kentucky gets it done on the road and gets the major upset. So that's to Kentucky, to Georgia, and that will do it for college football. Now we're going to jump to the NFL. In the London game, the Jaguars spend their second straight week in over the pond, and they face the red-hot Buffalo Bills. Who do you got?
0: That is kind of my biggest concern here, is that Buffalo is going to have to adjust the time. Jaguars aren't. However, we saw Jacksonville against Atlanta last week kind of give them a run for their money. They kind of dismantled them a bit, and that time zone... For these Bills, I don't think it's going to matter too much to them. They are red hot right now, and they are too hot for me to pick against them. They're scoring like a college football team. They're averaging 41 points per game since their week one loss to the Jets while only giving up an average of 11 points to opposing offenses in that stretch. I can't sit here and and pick the Jacksonville Jaguars after seeing one good game from them. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne both connected a couple good times. There's a lot of good – there's a lot of promise for the Jaguars,
2: but the Bills are too hot right now to pick against. You know the power of the Toy Story has ran out for Jacksonville this week, and the Bills riding high after beating a Miami team we thought might have been the best in the league last week. Just completely outclassing him for most of that game. So give me the Bills in this one. If, we, if we're not in Andy's room, I'm not taking the Jaguars. So give me the Bills.
3: <laughs> um, this <was> a surprisingly <laughs> decent broadcast, by the way. But um, I just I like both of these teams. Um, uh, Like, I I like both of these teams. I, I think the Jags are going to win uh, the AFC South, and the Bills are the Bills. I just, I feel like right now they kind of had their fluke game against the Jets week one. That was kind of like the yeah. game where J- Josh Allen was trying to do too much, where just a little, you know, there was just a few too many mistakes they usually won't make throughout the year. And I just feel like they're hot right now, and they're going to take this game. So Bills?
1: Yeah. And I do want to clarify, because we are at the 7 o'clock mark, we will be going a little over, guys. Just going to give you a little extra extra content content
2: for the weekend. We got
1: got three more games to pick, and I'm going to be boring and also pick the Bills in this one. You said it, David. They're playing like a college team right now. I mean, did you see what they did against Sam Howell? And then Sam Howell went and almost single-handedly beat the Eagles. They made Sam Howell throw four interceptions. He didn't throw another interception in any other games this season, and then he threw four. Like that, that defense is legit. And since that Jets game, Josh Allen has 112 yards, eight touchdowns, one interception. They're a top five defense right now, top five offense right now. Give me the Bills uh, to keep the buzz saw rolling. Now, kind of a tough game to pick too. Teams, one team overachieving, one team seemed like they might be competitive, but then fallen off a little bit. The Texans are on the road against the Atlanta Falcons, who do you got in this one. What a convincing win last week against
0: the Steelers defense. Thirty points for the Texans. Yeah. It concerns me a little bit that they're they've lost their left tackle on their left guard on that offensive line. It's gonna be a little bit shakier this week, heading into Atlanta, a team who is hungry for a win considering the Bucks are keep continuing to take a step up above them for that division lead. It is going to be fiery. I think Texas or the Texans come into this game. I think they struggle. I think CJ Stroud throws his first interception. I think that he is faced with the most adversity he's seen all year. However, the Texans are still going to win this game because CJ Stroud is still their quarterback. And this team has shown in these last two games, even in the Steelers game in that first half, they were resilient. They were very resilient. This team has shown a lot of fight. I've loved what I've seen from Houston. The future is bright, and they pick up their third win this weekend.
2: You know, I'm also going with the Texans here in this one. I think the Falcons just have not looked good these past few weeks, and, it's, and it falls on Desmond Ritter to a certain point. And maybe if uh, if Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke comes out and plays this week, maybe the Falcons have a better chance. But as much as it hurts me to admit it, David... C.J. Stroud's been looking good this year. He's looking better than Bryce Young. It pains me, but I think he's going to lead the Texans to another win over NFC's TALF team that the Panthers might not be able to beat. So give me the Texans.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just – right now I do not trust this Falcons team to throw the football yeah. down the field. I feel like they don't trust Desmond Ritter. And, the. again, as David kind of mentioned earlier, the Texans, they had a really convincing win over Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh – it's it's partly aided to – Due to the fact that their offense is not not very good, but also C.J. Stroud carved up a really good defense, um, and I just feel like, especially if the Texans jump out from the Falcons, I don't know if they're going to have any shot at coming back. I'm going to just I'm going to pick the Texans. Yeah, this is a scary
1: pick for me because you, you guys are right. The, the Falcons are dead last right now in passing yards per game. This offense has fallen off a cliff after what seemed to be an exciting start to the season. But I think that this defense can win them this game. The defense is a top-five pass defense, and they allow just 19.3 uh, points per game so far this season. Texans are hot, but the Falcons made Bryce Young struggle. I think this rookie quarterback, he has to come back to earth at some point. Like you said, there's some injuries to that offensive line. I think the Falcons get a much-needed win at home. So I'm taking the Falcons to take down the Texans in this one. I'm the only one picking the Falcons, which just makes me feel great. Uh, But now jumping to the best game of the weekend, the Cowboys of Dallas go to California to face the San Francisco 49ers. We talked about how this game, this series is a rivalry. These two teams don't really like each other, but they look like two of the best teams in the league right now. Who do you got in this one? Give me the 49ers.
0: They're at home. These two teams face up really well. Both defenses are great. Offenses have been clicking. We're going to see Dak Prescott falter a little bit in this game. I know that Mike McCarthy is now calling the plays, and it seems to have improved a lot for Dak. The the, the work that he's put in over the offseason has really been paying off, and it's been great to see, honestly. As much as I am not a big fan of the Cowboys, it's nice to see them starting to be productive again and kind of be that threat. But I think that the winning loses or ends to the 49ers, and I'm purely picking home field advantage here. This is a night game. Sunday night football, I just think the Niners with that crowd, that's where I give the competitive edge to because these two teams are really close and it's really hard to pick.
2: This game is by far, in my opinion, the best game of the week. Oh, no doubt. I think it's going to be that a shootout all the way through, but I'm also going with the 49ers because I haven't seen any reason to pick against the 49ers yet this year. And the Cowboys, they've looked good through most of the year, but we think back to that Cardinals game. We've showed that they can be beat. And I i really like how the 49ers look this year. And sleeper MVP candidate Christian McCaffrey. And I think the 49ers are going to take this win.
3: Yeah, for my money, I feel like the 49ers are the best team in the, in the NFL right now. They've just just—they've got a ridiculous offense. I mean – you have Pur- Purdy, McCaffrey, you know George Kittle's on that offense. Iuke, when healthy, Debo Samuel like they
1: didn't even target Debo Samuel last. They time. don't they need didn't. to. They don't, they don't need to. It's crazy
3: to have someone like Debo Samuel and you're like, yeah, we don't need to target. Yeah, him. it's all right. We you do. know we could just uh yeah. you know we have we have other right. guys. McCaffrey's going to get uh, four touchdowns for <laughs> yeah. us. Uh, let's, uh But that yeah Dallas they, their defense look good. There's no way their defense is that good. There's no way. So yeah. I'm going with the 49ers here. Yeah,
1: these have been two of the best teams in the league so far this year. Both teams have been statistically a top-five offense and defense. They're both looking to compete uh, for some hardware this playoff season, but I just trust this 49ers defense in key spots to get stops against Dak Prescott and this Cowboys offense. I do think... It's possible we see the Cowboys give Purdy some fits if they can continuously get pressure and put pressure on, put pressure in his face, kind of like we saw the Eagles kind of fluster him uh, in the NFC Championship game. You know, Purdy still has only lost that one game, so we haven't seen him get flustered a lot. I think this could be that game, but I just have so much faith in the rest of the roster for San Fran. I think they get this win at home against the Cowboys, and if this is the best game of the week, Boy, is this one great too! The Chicago Bears in Washington to face the commies. Uh, the Bears trying to get their first win of the season. Matt Eberflus is trying to make it to the bye week. Uh, do, do you think he gets there? Eberflus sounds like a wind instrument. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> I just that's all. It kind of sounds like a like a.
2: That's his analysis.
1: I could see it's also like either like an old influenza or something like that, like the Everfluce influenza I could that, see like that ran through well, it's, South America it's, or Well, it's, it's
0: polluting the Bears right now. Yeah, for <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah, they got a big case of the. They, <laughs> they, they do. And, and Everfluce. Real
0: quick, I know that we're over time already, but I want to look back at the first half for the Bears because Justin Fields, he went 16 for 17. His only completion was on a Hail Mary. He threw two touchdowns, 230 passing yards. He looked like all of a sudden Justin Fields was going to be that guy. And then he comes out in the second half and the Bears I don't know if they've it feels like they got bipolar disorder yeah at least at least in this game against the Broncos because they came out and I could have sworn they switched jerseys and pads with fans and they came down and played because it looked awful it looked horrific. Justin Fields gave up one of the worst turnovers that I've seen Justin Fields give up and the commanders you mentioned it Sam Howell. Lucas, you mentioned this with the Bills game. Sam Howell threw four interceptions, and then he came out the next week and almost beat the Eagles single-handedly. Yeah. I'm liking that, and I'm liking that this Commanders team is at home. It's a night game. I just don't have any faith in the Bears. I hope they prove me wrong. I really do. I hope the Bears come out and they stomp on the Commanders. But I can't pick them. I can't. I can't do it. And Sam Howell, man, I mean, for as much crap as he's been given – played really well last week, and I'm hoping that he'll be able to continue that. Give me the Commanders.
2: You know, I hope the Bears prove you right, David. I really hope they prove you right. And I've been waiting all day to see to say this one. Ooh, this is a boat race right here. The Commanders are going to run all over the Bears because this Bears team is horrible. You're going bring up last week's first half. The second the Broncos are able to adjust to him, he can't do anything. I'm tired of hyping up Justin Fields. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of Justin Fields. He's not the next guy. He's not... He's not this next big thing. It's not going to happen. The Commanders might win by 50 in this game. Give me the Commanders.
3: Yeah, this, this Bears team is bad. Like, this is, they are not good. Capital B. Bears. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny, though, when we go back to it. You know, remember the Panthers and the Bears bad. were a part... Of that big trade, where it's like, oh, the, it's, we're going to see how both teams are going to turn out. With yeah. the Bears getting DJ Moore, the Panthers getting Bryce Young, Horrible. and just both teams are the, the, arguably the two worst teams in the whole NFL. Hey, DJ
0: Moore that. had thirty fantasy points last week. Hey, D- beep,
3: beep. <laughs> Let's go. hey DJ, your boards <laughs> have to get used to playing in a bad offense. Like, yeah, that's. Um, uh, but yeah, I can't. I can't go against the Commanders just because I-, I don't know if I could pick anyone against the Bears right now in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to pile on the Bears. I'm just going to look at the quarterbacks, because quarterbacks win games in the NFL, and I think the Commanders got themselves a quarterback. I'm going to praise the commies here. I think Sam Howell is the guy. I mean, he willed them to an overtime loss to the freaking Eagles. They were putting pressure in his face all over the place, and he just kept making good throw after good throw. Outside of a terrible performance against the Bills, Howell has been rock solid all year, and I think he builds on that tonight against the Bears. Give me the commies at home, and that'll do it. For another episode of Sports Wrap, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys. But before we go, we've got shout outs. David, you want to get us started? Yeah, shout out to my friends and family who are listening
0: back home. Some here in Boone, some back in Charlotte. Grandma's listening from Dayton, Ohio. So thank you for tuning in. And shout out to uh, Ben Gibson who's been taking pictures over here, and Riley Carlson who has decided to show up to the studio He's here. Uh, an hour and ten minutes after the show started.
2: Let's go. Uh, my picks for the day. We'll just start. It will be about ten minutes. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just ten uh, No, Start from the beginning. Pick, Tell your us your what you think wrong. about App State. Versus well, Coastal. I think about App State versus Coastal is. You know, never mind. I'm not even gonna get into that. Uh but yeah, uh, shout out to my Grammy and my mom for <laughs> for both listening even though that even though uh I wasn't on uh, shout out shout out to my uh my little brother caught a dub in middle school football this past week. Woo final game let's of boat race him come on Oh yeah. that day one twenty eight Nothing. So that's a boat race him boat come on and then also shout out my guy Hunter trying to give me just a baseball over here so shout out Corbin Carroll because his parents dropped him off the game. That's awesome! <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay. Uh, yeah, shout out to my friends and family and I'll also give a shout out to one of our guys at Lee's McRae, Blake Smith, who helped me out. On Saturday, I was calling a triple header and he stepped in for the third game for men's soccer and did some color commentary to give me someone to bounce off of for that third game. Shout out to him. Yeah. Shout out to my grandma who's always listening. Shout out to all the grandmas. Shout out to my friends and
1: family listening. Uh, and then shout out to Nick. You know, next man up mentality. He was ready to go. He came prepared. Yippee! He helped us do a great show. Thanks for hopping on, Nick. But but that'll do it for another episode of Sports Wrap. I'm your host, Lucas Warren. I'm joined by David Katzemeyer, Ryan Hendricks, and Nick Goodman. We'll send you to your weekend. Hope you have a great time. See ya!